uh it's not exactly movie news uh it's just uh a shout out i guess or not even a shout out just like a, an acknowledgement um congratulations to naomi watts who we talk about a lot on this podcast and if you saw this she just got married did you know who she, who she's been dating for the past couple of years i had zero clue oh no i i did not actually it's funny because uh Brittany showed me a picture of her and David Lynch holding hands together and was like, are they a couple? And I was like, I don't think <laughs> they were. With but... David, you never know. But like, you know, um, with him, yeah, it's a distinct possibility. Uh, uh, she was women of all Lev ages Schreiber seem to be. For a long time, though, So, right? yeah, I didn't know about that for a long time. He left her for somebody much younger, apparently. Um, Idiot. Hollywood, man. Um, but no, she's uh, she's married to Billy Crudup now, as of like yesterday. Oh, that, I think I had known that they were together. Well, yeah. good for him. Yeah, what a, what a handsome couple, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, him in him in uh, is it twentieth century women? He's in right. He's in that. He's like the house. He's like the I, guy yeah. that like lives with them. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but anyway, great movie. He's awesome in that, and I'm pretty sure it's him. He's got such a great 70s look that has inspired oh, yeah. my own personal look where he's got yeah. like the heavy mustache and the long hair. And I like when I saw that in theaters when it came out, I was like, I think I want to look like that. <laughs> That's the style I want. And I'm going are. to aspire yeah. to be Billy Curdup. Yeah, exactly. Dr. Manhattan himself. Yeah, that's the thing, man. She, maybe she saw Watchmen and was just like, you know what? Like, that's uh, that's for me. <laughs> let's keep that in mind. Yeah. Well, it was the conversation with Brittany started because we went and saw Wild at Heart yesterday, and she had never seen mm. it, and she was just kind of talking about Lynch and beautiful blonde women and how he seems yeah. to really like putting them in his movies. And just like mm-hmm. the whole, because I was telling her beforehand, I was like, that is the probably the sexiest movie of his. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, for sure. Blue Velvet is a lot of sex, but it's also like traumatic and demented to a degree. This one's just like hardcore fucking. Well, hardcore fucking in a sense to cope with trauma in a way, right? With Lord yeah. Byrne's character. <laughs> like, not because it's sexual like, well, trauma, that's... right? Right, but she's able to to overcome it, or like at least like you know cope with it. Uh, and part part of it is like yeah, hardcore sex with Nicolas Cage. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it was a great time. I was laughing at a lot of things. It was a pretty full theater, and like I was like, guys, this is a comedy. <laughs> I don't know if you all picked up on that, but. Yeah, I love that movie. It does get very dour near the end, I'd say. Like, it gets really intense, uh, mm-hmm. you know, appropriately so, um, in a way that I love. But, like, that only makes the love story better, too. Yeah, great movie. Yeah. Glad, glad you guys yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, and uh, we actually went with another couple friends of ours. And as I come mm-hmm. out, I was like, I don't know if you guys picked this up, but he was drawing from The Wizard of Oz. I know it's very subtle when he's saying all of these <laughs> things throughout the movie. I just want to make sure you picked up. On that. Yeah, so yeah, eagle-eyed viewers may notice, right? <laughs> All right, well, we got to jump into it because I think there's a lot to talk about. This kind of a mess of a movie. Um, kind of, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, for many reasons, but uh, welcome to The Weekly Podcast Massacre. I am your host for today. My name is Michael from Portland, uh, but everyone calls me Murphy. I have a lovely co-host with me. 
Yeah, uh, normally Greg Anderson from Los Angeles, but uh, this month I'm grub because all month long we're talking about something very specific. We're talking bugs, baby. It is June bug. And we've talked about uh, non-existent bugs. We've talked about tiny Mm -hmm. bugs. And now we're going to talk about big bugs. Not the biggest bugs that we could talk about. There are bigger bugs out there, but human-sized bugs that's pretty scary it's pretty good i i also i think that it's it's funny because you know uh insect movies insect-based horror movies are their own subgenre as we're as we're discussing that's why we're talking about them this month but even beyond that giant insect movies i think are their mm-hmm. own subgenre within that you got the giant ant movie them that classic one right there's a giant empire grasshopper the movie empire is, of the ants like which I completely forgot to mention on our um, episode about Phase 4, the writer partly based it off of Empire of the Ants. Oh, like, okay. Uh, yeah, just it, it was like an, it was an inspiration from H.G. Wells, um, who I had no idea he had written an ant story. That was news to me. Oh. Uh, well, you think about some of the other ones. Well, I, I always like to think about uh, Honey, We Shrunk the Kids. Is yeah, honey, absolutely. I shrunk. Honey, I shrunk the kids because, but it's yes. a, it's a perspective thing. There are big bugs in it, but that's because they're just really tiny. Yeah, uh, a movie which, if you had asked me when I was five, would have absolutely been a horror movie. Um, I haven't seen it in so fucking long, so I don't know if it's still as unnerving as it used to be. But it used to scare me so badly. There's some pretty insane set pieces in that the uh lawnmower is yes. terrifying oh, yeah. yeah and then i mean i think just the giant ant models in general in that were like so were yeah uh it was like a nightmare. giant is it a scorpion i think is what is the the, that fights? yes oh my god yeah. yes absolutely holy mm-hmm. shit yeah but i, I always okay i might be doing a, a rewatch that's joe dante pie that's what yep. i want that's that's the thing that it scares the shit out of you and also shows you the wonders of being small (laughs) and eating a giant oatmeal pie yeah um and also i think i just found the idea of your parent accidentally almost eating you on a spoonful of cereal Mm -hmm. like to be uh the scariest thing too That, that is joe dante isn't it i believe so yeah yeah i gotta rewatch that are we wrong in that because there was there was some other director we were talking, we've talked about, who was going to do this that movie, and he was like, "No, I don't want to do special effects movie." And yeah, then he did a special effects movie, and I can't remember who we were talking about. Jeez, I I really have yeah, I do not know. Um. <laughs> well, this we'll bridge that gap with this is kind of a special effects movie. This came out at I feel like the wrong time. If this comes out three to four years earlier. We're seeing all practical effects. Yeah. If this is coming out five years later, it's all CG. It's not going to look great, but it would be better than some of the CG that we see today. I do love mm-hmm. all the practical effects. When they when they sneak it in, it's very beautiful. But we're yeah. talking the 1997 Miramax release, Guillermo del Toro's Mimic. <laughs> Now, this was directed by Guillermo. Uh, it was his second feature film. Do you remember his first one? 
Oh yeah, Kronos, which Kronos. Uh, I I really loved. Um, I I for my first watch, it was blown away by Kronos, and then uh, I saw it once again. But I think I it was kind of at work on the background, so I wasn't really paying too much attention to it. But uh, in in my memory, I love Kronos. Mm-hmm. I always enjoyed it. I think I like Devil's Backbone a little bit more. Uh, but so this was actually written by Guillermo and Matthew Robbins. Uh, it's based on a short story by Donald A. Walheim. So there you go. I will say you, you already called it a bit of a mess at the beginning. I, um, I think a big part of that is uh, I, I don't want to say this is the reason. But, you know, Guillermo is a native Spanish speaker. A lot of the dialogue is super awkward in this movie. Feels like it maybe was run through a translator or something. Obviously, I don't think we didn't have access to, like, Google Translate at the time. But it does feel like there's a a translation issue with some of the dialogue at times. I I could see that. You would hope with, I'm assuming Matthew Robbins is a native English speaker, that they would have something uh, to do that. I the biggest detriment to this is not necessarily even the dialogue it's just the story and the characters and that there's yeah, not totally. really any established arcs that are complete like we mm-hmm. have all these little things about characters that could be expanded upon and like they're touching on the theme of the movie right. and kind of what it's going for but you don't have that like a uh, landing moment, like a final impact mm-hmm. to it. Setting um, it up right now, my my number one biggest issue with this movie, though, the bugs themselves are not characters. I feel like any other Del Toro movie, your yes. monsters are going to be essentially like your heart and soul of the movie. You know, you look at um, The Shape of Water, and it's a love story between um, the deaf woman and the monster. Right, you you look at Hellboy. The main characters are the monsters. Like literally, mm-hmm. Hellboy is a monster. Um, you you look at most of the things he does, and he adds such flavor to those characters. Maybe the exception being um, Pacific Rim, but even look like Blade Two. He turns the villain into a sympathetic character by the end. Exactly. Uh, yeah, there's not a like a personalized monster. Like we have that. There's one fertile male. Like, that's the only kind of distinguishing characteristics of that one. Uh, but I I think you did need something, like I said, more personal. It's, it's very interesting because for a while it seems like, oh, maybe there's only one. And then mm-hmm. there's a reveal like, oh, no, there's more. There's actually very many of them. Uh, but you yeah. could potentially, you know, give it more of a a motivation. You know, there there is a lot potential in this movie it's just kind of sad that it it doesn't come together as well as it could uh let's talk about some of the cast real quickly this is uh led by mira servino as susan tyler and jeremy northam as dr peter mann a dumb name for a character well (laughs) in this context of it man you know right right uh do you remember the other Jeremy Northam movie that we talked about? Oh boy, no. I was only thinking of the other Mira Sorvino movie we talked about. But no, what else was he in? Uh, he was the ex-husband in The Invasion. 
Oh, yeah. Who also worked for the CDC, right? Y- you're absolutely correct. Was... Yes. Yeah. I think so. I didn't put yeah, that one these together. Yeah, and these are two movies that somewhat portrayed the CDC as, like, fascistic, <laughs> almost, you know? Uh, yeah, well, that's that's true. It, it's, <laughs> you know, it's an important role. You don't want an epidemic on your hands. Uh, right. I will say, like, like I said with the invasion, I think this movie could be a lot better if you put Edward Norton in it. I I don't want to say a lot better, but like half a star better. He's he's like your you're one upping Jeremy Northam by going to Edward Norton. Like this, that's, it's true. That's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna go ahead and throw this out there. I'm gonna talk about this right now. So this is a Miramax movie. This was produced mm-hmm. by Harvey Weinstein, that big piece of shit. Uh, who's oh, apparently yeah. like a very uh, trying to be hands-on and almost tried like tried to get del toro fired but so okay because yeah. of, i have a story about this yeah yeah but because of sorvino who was dating quentin tarantino at the time um they kind of had enough star power to prevent this and allow del toro to like give his vision um the same year that this comes out, Jackie Brown also comes out. And I want you to imagine <laughs> if we switched Bridget Fonda and Miro Servino. Oh man. I that is like Bridget Fonda's so amazing and Jackie Brown. Like I would she I don't even want to really consider good. other actors in there, you know? She is really good. I think Mira has like a cuteness that would be a lot more menacing. Like, Bridget Fonda is beautiful in that movie, but, like, yeah. I think Mira has that kind of girl-next-door sweetness that you would not expect her character to, like, kind of be a big bitch, you know? To be, like, underhanded like that? Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's actually kind of strange, because I, I read that book recently, Rum Punch, that uh, Jackie Brown is based on, and it's kind of it's kind of fascinating, because it's a sequel, Elmore Leonard, actually. right? Yeah, it's an Elmer Leonard book, and it's it's a sequel to an earlier book he wrote called The Switch. Um, and we, uh, I don't know if it's just me, but I actually like The Switch more than Rum Punch. I think it's a better story, and uh, it's like a better setup for a, kind of like a like a crime caper Noir. comedy thing. That okay, yeah, that it sort of is, and so that that's a returning character. Um, yeah, in that story, and in the book, she's actually like twenty years older than Bridget Fonda is supposed to be. Like, she's supposed to be kind of aging out of her sort of, like, kind of, like, kept woman sort of persona, where she's, like, a little too tan. She's kind of gained some weight since the first book. Like, she's kind of, like, her looks are kind of starting to fail her in in the book. And And so, Bridget Fonda is, yeah, yeah, Bridget Fonda's not exactly the the best casting for that. I would say Mary Servina looks older than Bridget Fonda around this time, so it might work in terms of, like, if you're trying to portray the character accurately i would say it might be better casting but i don't even think that i just i think that she could i think that she could pull it off mira servina Mm -hmm. in jackie brown i think bridget fonda would be so much better as a scientist in this role i maybe mira just doesn't sell it to me yeah Uh, i think mostly the the problem with the with that is it's just the lack of direction in the story (laughs) Like that's that's just yeah. I don't think it's Mira's fault. You know, there's much worse performances in this movie. The um, that's true. But, but on the Weinstein front, I just want to say apparently he was this movie was featured in some documentary called like Harvey Scissorhands. Six movies. Yeah, six movies that Harvey ruined. Did you come across? 
the story about Harvey Weinstein and James Cameron related to Mimic? No. Okay, so this is that this was tweeted uh, March seventeenth, twenty twenty three, by Mira Servino. Uh, she was quoting a recent report from the a recent story from the Hollywood Reporter, where they interviewed James Cameron, and I guess somehow Harvey Weinstein came up. So uh, this is Cameron speaking. He said. I didn't know Harvey from Adam. I didn't know anything about him other than what I had learned from Guillermo del Toro. Guillermo and I had been close friends since 1991. He had told me the horrible shit that Miramax pulled on him when he made his first American commercial film, Mimic, and they fired him. The actors, led by Mira Sorvino, kind of revolted and wouldn't work until they brought him back. Then, when the film was successful and well-regarded, Harvey sort of jumped up to take praise for the movie. And, I'm, and so I'm on my way back to my seat with my editing Oscar... And this guy's jumping up to introduce himself, saying, if you want to come work at a place that's a friend of the artist, like, you know where to find me. He says, like, you know, he basically told him to fuck off, and the guy, and Harvey started getting belligerent. He says, it quickly <laughs> escalated to a level that was almost potentially physically violent. Um, and he says that he was, uh, he says, uh, hold on. But yeah, I did defend Guillermo, and I called Harvey in his bullshit, and he got very verbally abusive and almost potentially physically violent. And then, uh, he, and he was about to get clocked by an Oscar, which would have been highly appropriate, I think. But I wasn't thinking about it in those terms. It was just the weapon at hand. The hysterical thing about the whole moment was people around us saying, not here, not here. It was kind of like, it's okay <laughs> if you boys fight out in the alley, but don't do it here at the Academy Awards. So James Cameron came this close to killing Harvey Weinstein with an editing Oscar which would have been the greatest Hollywood story of all time. Yeah, like, it would have it would have made the slap seem like a faux pas, <laughs> like, of no regard. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Yeah, exactly. God damn, um, he should Mira's, have done that. Mira's tweet about it is great, too. She says, thank you, James Cameron, for being the most brilliant filmmaker you are. Um, you are a hero in my book. Thank you for standing up for my genius director, Guillermo del Toro. As I did years ago, I'm confronting the bullying, convicted rapist monster Harvey Weinstein. So not pulling any punches there. Yeah. Um, Big yeah, old he's the real. Shit. He's the real villain of Mimic. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that was part of it. So there is the theatrical cut. Uh, and then years later, Guillermo del Toro was able to put together a director's cut. I watched both versions. Honestly, I could not tell you that much of a difference. It didn't seem I, that big. Yeah, I tried I, to look at like comparison. A, I was like, I sure, I kind of remember that. I, I really try to watch every single movie we do both times, like you know, twice before mm-hmm. each recording. I just, I, I could not muster up the strength to watch this again, I, even I, though I there was like an it. alternate cut. Uh, <laughs> this thing, it's like it's like what an hour and forty two minutes, but it it feels so much longer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's the first couple acts take a long time. Let's go through the rest of the cast. We have uh, Charles S. Dutton as Leonard the cop. We have the um, MVP. Yeah, holy shit. <laughs> I I think so. It says uh, Thanos the Mad Titan as Josh. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting <laughs> read. Um, yeah, we have Giancarlo. Cool to see where they Gianni. where they start out. You know. <laughs> Giancarlo Gianni as Manny Alexander Goodwin as Chewy We have two really early performances One from Norman Reedus And yeah. Julian R- Richings Who uh, is not very well known Like if you see him you'd be like Oh that weird looking guy I know him from like Supernatural And he was in that um, oh, okay. What was that uh, big Shudder movie Some Prey for a child's name 
I, that was I don't know. I think, I'm, I think I'm out of date on my uh, Shutter Originals. Yeah. Uh, we also have Doug Jones as one of the uh, mimic bugs. I should have guessed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, known as Long John. This is his first time working with Del Toro, who goes on to, like, be, like, his inspiration. It's like his Andy Circus to Peter Jackson. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have... A special appearance by F. Murray Abraham. Can um, you think of anybody zero... else who gets that type of credit? A special appearance. I know by... that's pretty great. Um, this, I mean, maybe it's only a special appearance because, like, maybe he wasn't supposed to be in this movie. Because I have no idea what purpose his character really serves, aside from maybe like two lines of exposition. He's like, like the moral compass of it, but like it's but then, not necessary. But nothing he says, nothing he says has yeah. any impact, though. No, it doesn't. Like it, it's it's so bizarre. I was so excited to see F. Murray Abraham. I love seeing his face pop up, mm-hmm. and I love those uh, pockmarks, like exactly as big as you can make them. When when he first appears, he just kind of looks dour during a press conference, and you're like, okay, this is setting up something interesting. And then later, he's like, I was mad at you. But then my grandkids live, so I'm not. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, the world is bigger than a lab. I'm like, uh, okay, I don't know what the, that has to do with anything. The world's a bigger lab, yeah. Yes, and well, then, like, it, later, he's just like, during the autopsy, he's like, look, organs. And then you're like, uh, okay, thanks, thanks, F. Murray. Cool, man. Yeah, it yeah. <laughs> made me think of um, a movie from a year later, Phantoms. If you've ever seen Phantoms, how Peter O'Toole is in that movie. But he actually has, like some acting to do like there's a couple great performance moments from peter o'toole in that where he's he's doing like that classical english like i'm going to oh yeah really sell what i'm saying here right um i have a feeling that this is del toro's first like american you know movie um yeah and i i just get the feeling he wanted to work with f murray abraham like that just seems like a type of guy that guillermo's gonna worship and so like he's gonna like hey if I can get him in my movie, I will, even if it's for zero reason at right. all. It makes sense. Um, so this movie, well, one before we get into it, the titles are very good. I saw yeah. your letterbox review. You recently watched Seven. I did. I have in my notes. This is a Seven opening. Yeah, it's a Seven esque. Yeah, is what I put as well. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels it's exactly that, what I wrote. Um, like bugs, but it it seems like tearing paper and you know pasting a bunch of things. Um, that's very cool. Maybe the highlight of the movie is the titles. That and then I think some of the production design uh, coming up oh, soon. Actually, sure. I I think it's I think it's a strong opening. Actually, well, so the whole idea of this movie is that there was a disease in Manhattan. You know, good for those coastal elites, but um, yeah. It was killing young children, and, you know, Jeremy Northam's character brings Mira Sovino and is like, hey, I need you to see these dying children so you know what we're working with. Uh, It's called Strickler's Disease. It's carried by cockroaches, and so their plan is to breed a whole different new type of cockroach with uh, termite and mantid DNA called the Judas breed, which will secrete some kind of foam that brings all the cockroaches to it and then kills them yeah that seems about it 
Yeah, seems I, like, a, like a neat yeah. idea. And I think that uh, just really, honestly, the, the opening of this is kind of like a nice directorial flex from Del Toro. I think there's a lot to like about this beginning. Like when you first see the hospital, it's like a really cool pan down. And yeah. the way the sheets are almost coming down from like the ceiling of this like mm-hmm. super high vaulted room. It, um, looks, it looks very operatic. Uh, I actually do like a lot of the score in this. And then when you get the close-ups of, like, the dying kids, and then later on, like, you see the guys in the hazmat suits, the the, the hoods in this thing are huge. Mm-hmm. Like, they're clearly, like, designed to look kind of funky. And then the really gross close-ups of the cockroaches when they're, like, opening up the thing. It's a, I think it's a really strong opening. And I, I have you kind of excited for this. Just, like, I, I did not know that this movie was a mess at all. I was just excited to watch a Del Toro movie. Um, but it very kind of quickly lets you down as soon as it cuts to three years later. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, you get that, like we said, there's the press conference. F. Murray Abraham's very apprehensive about what's happening. We learn yeah. that through this process, or, you know, uh, them working together, that uh, Susan and Peter have become romantically involved. And, yeah. uh, but without they... any romantic chemistry. <laughs> oh yeah apparently they hated each other on set which <laughs> mm-hmm. you can kind of tell um but we get one of those like super romantic moments where you know she's in her slip nightgown and she's looking real hot but yes he places her in the bathtub that's already run and then he gets in the bathtub with all of his clothes on it's so romantic it means they really love a scene, each other. A scene that Zack Snyder then stole for uh, <laughs> Batman v Superman. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and they are trying to have a baby. And that seems to be one of the the biggest problems with this movie is they bring this up. Mm-hmm. There's many times where she mentions like, oh, here's this, here's something, or, you know, Peter gives her something. And he's like, it's not natural. Which, exactly what you did to these cockroaches, it's not natural. Yeah. Um, she's not, she doesn't really ever take responsibility for her creations, which she, is all well, about, no, like, they, having they talk children. About that, um, yes, so that's where the movie is going, right? Like, that's the obvious setup. Like, they talk about, oh, you know, having trouble having children. I can't children. have children. Yes. Oh, the revelation that these bugs started breeding are a new species. You expect any kind of commentary about that, but there's just kind of nothing. They just leave that entirely up for you to make of it what you will, which like I kind of like when a movie doesn't hold your hand sometimes with themes and like motifs like that. But in this case, you're like, well, how does she feel about it? And you never get a sense of like, you you know, oh, I have some kind of. Right, she just starts killing these things willy-nilly when she can, and there's no sense of, like, maybe I should care for them because I'm responsible or anything like that. It's just, no, they're monsters, I'm going to kill them, we're going to get out of here. And, like, I I feel like that's maybe one of the things that uh, Weinstein did. It's like, he was just like, hey, all this emotional bullshit about having a child, get get rid of it. Just make it like an action thriller, once, like a horror action thriller once they get to the sewers, which... It kind of does become, and it doesn't really work. The only thing that works about that section is Charles S. Dutton. We'll, we'll yeah, get to him later, though. He's so good in it. I, I love the yeah. train set piece. Like, yes. that's really cool, Me too. like, being yeah. trapped in that. But, you know, there's even more other character things. Like, I feel like uh, th- with Jeremy Northam, they should, in that beginning scene with all those, de- like, dying children, they should kind of realize, like, oh, he's not very good at the bedside manner. 
And then right. throughout the whole sh- movie is him getting better at that bedside manner. Even to the point where, you know, him and Charles S. Dutton have their, you know, uh, problems. They bristle against each other. But at the end of it, he could be even like, you know, supportive or nurturing, you know, or kind of giving him hope. And there's just right. none of that. Um, it, it, there's so many... Yeah, he just he without he just payoff like sh- in this movie. He, he feels like a shitty character through and through. Like he does yeah. not come up as a good guy in this at all. Not really. Like he's yeah. smart in the sense of that he wires the train using his glasses. <laughs> yeah, but that's it. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so there uh, is a shoe polisher and his autistic son grandson mm-hmm. it's not really not made clear what he is but this is Gian, uh, giancarlo it's like it's like giannini i think giannini, yeah that's uh, probably right but um, uh i know him from uh Hannibal. casino royale he's and casino royale yeah um he's also he's the uh the detective he's the Transporter? italian detective yeah. in hannibal yeah oh that's right that is right too yeah yeah which he's really yeah. good and he's like one of the saving graces of that of that pretty bad movie he's but yes he's also in casino royale great in quantum he hangs Solace out too. of the window and his entrails mm-hmm. drop onto it yeah such a yeah great that, the best part of that movie by far there's nothing else that comes close to it except for mm-hmm. maybe the brain eating at the end because uh, it's so it's so silly that's but, pretty yeah. high <laughs> have you watched the show uh, I've made it to the third season, Okay, but something about that show, when I was binging it, it gets so ethereal and weird and crazy yeah. that, like, I was really losing track of what the fuck the story <laughs> was. Um, and so by the time that you get, like, Hannibal runs off to Europe with, uh, with... Jillian um, Anderson. With Jillian Anderson... Like, I, I was just like, I don't have any clue what's happening at this point. So, like, I took a break from watching it for a bit, and then I just never finished season three. I never made it to the fucking Red Dragon stuff. Like, Yeah, Red, that's pretty good. I think my whole favorite thing in it is the Mason Verger storyline. Right. And Which, I, um, again, I think I was so confused by anything that was happening that just I was not absorbing it, really. I Yeah, I just, I love Michael Pitt. I think he does such a good job in that. But there's just one uh, quick scene where he's like, talking about gutting pigs or whatever in Hannibal's office, and he just stabs the chair, and Matt <laughs> Nicholson has that reaction shot of like, what the fuck did you just do? Yeah. I, I think it. the ma- I think the entire Mason Verger character is always so ridiculous to me that it's hard for me to take him seriously. <laughs> I think the show did it better um, yeah. than, than the Gary Oldman stuff, Gary but Oldman, like, it, it's, right. it's, it's still just a hard character for me to wrap my head around, I guess. Uh, so there are, getting back to this, there are slave labor uh, in the basement of a church. Seems Which like a... Could be true for all I know, yeah. I, I, I'm sure it's happening. Run by a pastor. And mm-hmm. I love that he's getting stalked by what we find out, a big bug. Um, falls off the roof, dies. And the bug brings him to the lair, and it is... One of the highlights of the movie is that he's trying to bring it down a storm drain. Yeah. And the rib cage is too big. So you're just like that yanking pulling. I like this stuff. Great. great. The thing that doesn't work about it, though, I, and I'm raining. sorry to, I'm sorry to Alexander Goodwin, but just Chewie's whole, you know, funny shoes thing, it really gets on your nerves, mm-hmm. like pretty quickly. Uh, uh, did just... this make you think of The Predator, where at some point oh, they totally. were going to be like, 
oh, autism is a superpower. That's why we're the bugs are gonna chewy. the bugs are gonna somehow like download his autism. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was it did run through my mind. Yeah. Uh, so they investigate this uh, slave operation. I love that they have they're making jackets or something, and it says "proudly made in the USA." You know, because we're we're the greatest yeah. country in the world. Yeah, uh, we did skip over the the baby in a bottle part when they have lunch and they're trying everything to have a, a baby. And she goes, do you know what this is? It comes from the urine of Italian menopausal nuns. It's not natural. I think that was a director's cut thing. I, I did. Oh, okay. I did look what I, I listed differences between the two cuts. I didn't actually watch it, but I, I'm pretty sure that was not in a theatrical that I saw. I felt like I remembered it in the theatrical, but again, it was I, like, I, I don't, wrong then. I, I can't remember yeah. any of these differences. Uh, there's the one crazy Asian lady who uh, saw the the bug, and it, I swear to God, I kept thinking she was saying Bong Joon Ho, Bong Joon Ho, <laughs> Bong Joon Ho. Like, what? Yeah, uh, I do. Yeah, I do know this is an extended director's cut scene. That whole thing where they call them like dark angels or something, mm-hmm. right? Which is a cool idea. I, I like that. I, I kind of like that trope in monster movies where like. You know, it's usually by an immigrant, but the monster is like misrepresented or like you know misidentified as like some folklore creature, you know, right. or like some mystical thing. Like I, I kind of that's a trope that happens a lot, and I, I kind of always appreciate it. Like in the Predator, we talk about all the time. You know, I mentioned like, oh, it's a spirit from the other world, uh, right from the other side, yeah. or something. Um, what would have been really funny if that was in Shape of Water with uh, what's yeah. her name, the her friend. It's Olivia. Um, um, yes, who uh, Octavia Spencer? Octavia Spencer. It would have been yeah. so great if like Octavia Spencer had some sort of right mystical like, thing about it. Yeah, right. Like from New, she's from New Orleans or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like we have a, it, <laughs> a, a fish monster down there. It's it's some bayou swamp spirit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we get introduced to those two. Uh, inner city New York kids, which I love. I think they're so good. And this is they—they're funny. But this is what I'm talking about. Where I think this is this is all Guillermo del Toro's like sort of sense of humor, like yeah. them the way they speak. And the kids cannot pull it off. But it is very You're the charming, bug lady, honestly. right? We yes. here to steal. Yeah, it it is charming, but it somehow like I just I could just feel Guillermo's hand behind all this. <laughs> uh, she's got kind of a cool lab. I like how she has that big termite or ant thing in the middle with the camera yeah she's she's like operating like it's an instrument like she's able just to do it one hand not looking at it uh they talk about how you know there's a hierarchy of power in the insect world how there's the queen but then there's also the king who's the only fertile male and uh, he he got a good deal (laughs) yes yeah uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I should have looked into this. Is there such a thing as a king cockroach? I'm not sure. I'm not, uh, you know, that fascinated by bugs to not look an that entomologist. up. But yeah, we, we got to ask uh, David Cronenberg, who used to be an entomologist. I'll, I'll tweet at him. That's what. I'll, that's my one yeah. question for him. For him, yeah. Uh, but I love how the other kid has the great line: "Whatever pills your banana lady. So you want to buy the <laughs> butterflies or what?" Oh, God. Um, this is very funny to me. 
uh, when she's actually investigating the bug and she's so fascinated by it. And then three seconds later, is just smashing it like and killing it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, it tries I, to bite I, her, so... Yeah, but I, I feel like as a somebody who studies bugs, you might have a procedure in place for this kind of stuff or something. I don't know. Or like a better way to... If it's alive, yeah. you might want to... Well, invest, like, I, I don't know. Have it contained in something? I'm not yeah, sure. kind of try to keep it alive. Yeah. Uh, I do love that the box that they have is just a giant cornflakes box. But then yeah, when you that's open good. it up, there's a little sign that they have made with, like, colored pencil that says, The Weird Bug. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, a buck just to see it. So they're very, like, you know, capitalistic. And I love that Mira Savino is like, you know, they're from Alphabet City. There's a lot worse things they could be selling. Yeah, to say, you know, that's. I'm assuming that's the truth. I don't know. The, the reference Alphabet City threw me off. I was like, oh, this is taking place in a place called Alphabet City. I looked it oh, up and I was like, oh, like okay, I get part it. Part of yeah. New York. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. I'm a California guy, you know? I, I don't know this. It's um, that, well, because it's, it's usually uh, by numbers since it's the grid, but there's right. a part at the top that's A Avenue, yes. B Avenue, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so this is all being intercut. I think this stuff's intercut to them still investigating the church. Yes. And we have the part with Josh Brolin finding shit on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, with which I like Josh Brolin in this. In yeah. the poop. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. He's pretty charming in this. I think he really does the most he can with his lines. I'm sorry, However, saying I mean, some kind of name I'm not recognizing. Was uh, he's saying it? Oh yes, right. Thanos. Yeah, Thanos is good in this. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Bef- yes. Um, before the chin uh, lifting mm-hmm. surgery that he had, chin lifting. Well, as we've yeah. been talking about all the CGI, it is pretty remarkable that they make like an eight foot tall purple guy yes. into you know a regular yeah. man shape package. Exactly. Um, I was trying to think of uh, the term for getting like the butt implants. It's I was going to say a Brazilian chin. Oh, lift the chin thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But multiple yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. He got multiple Brazilian Brazilian chin lifts, yeah. Uh, no, so he's pretty good in this. However, I could kind of tell this was maybe supposed to be Ron Perlman, considering this is Guillermo del Toro, right? That would and make I sense. think that you think of yes. other like big headed sort of tough guy actors. Like I, I kept imagining this was going to be Perlman, and I what about... I was a little bummed it wasn't him. I uh, as much as we both love Charles S. Dutton in this movie, that seems like he would have been great in that role. too. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I, I like Dutton as the sort of like kind of blue collar MTA worker cop. You know, like that to me feels like a role like designed for him. Um, did you notice the little detail that he wears a ring that's a little police badge? I did see that. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's very it's funny. Those, those little details Guillermo can do very well. Um, mm. it's, and that's what's sad about this is again, so much potential, but not sticking the landing, you're missing a bar or, or something about that. But, right. uh, so Servino finds out that the weird bug has the same DNA as the Judas breed. Yeah. Let's talk about this right here. That's a weird name to give the bug, right? And I kind of understand where it's like, it's a bug that's going to betray other bugs, but then it right. also betrays us. You're setting it. You're setting it up to be evil, yeah. Right. <laughs> like by calling it the Judas breed. I think it's a cool name. 
Um, but you're right. It's it's a little heavy handed. It sets up this religious theme that also never goes anywhere in this. Yes. But we didn't talk about it too much. We're, obviously, the guy that was killed in the beginning is a reverend. So he's got a cross on. And then the CDC building has a giant cross, like neon cross on it. Uh, and Giancarlo has some line about like, they have the cross, they have Jesus on the cross, but that is not a holy place. Oh, yeah, that's, Somehow, just, that's like, not the CDC. That's just like, because they're, they're, they're quarantining that oh, gotcha. uh, church because yellow fever, which is a little yeah, racist. It, it, we'll it, just it, just, it just had like a big CDC banner across it or something. <laughs> exactly. But exactly. you're right. Yes. But uh, uh, so there's this whole religious thing going on here, the Judas bug. And again, it never really goes anywhere. Um, I do know that I, I believe Guillermo grew up Catholic. I and think so. so. There, there's a whole, there's a side of this that could be fascinating about like, they even mentioned creationism. creationism, but they also talk about Frankenstein later. They bring yeah. up Frankenstein, who I is, which is one of Guillermo's obsessions and one of mine. And it's just not delved into enough to really land any kind of substance. These references, right. they feel hollow and empty because there's no payoff for anything. Uh, another thing, there's no payoff, and I don't remember if this is not in the theatrical cut, but uh, Mira Savino has a friend as well, Remy, and she's the the worst performance in the movie. Right? It's pretty like, bad. Um, yeah. Apparently, I think her character is in the the sequel, and that it's the bug trying to mate <laughs> with her, which I've never seen any okay. of the sequels. I need to well, see. Them. But um, she's talking to Remy, and she's going on about the sound experiment like they tried pheromones and it didn't work but we found out if you play a a female's you know chirping recorded in a field it makes this guy go crazy you would think hey that's how we're going to like get them all in one spot or like we're going to use this to our advantage nope never brought up again (laughs) i'm going to Mention one more thing, and then we should give some recommendations, because we totally skipped over that. But Oh, sure. Um, at one point, Manny, the shoe polish guy, uh, lights the shoe polish, which I know is a thing to like warm it up. But then he lights his cigar from the flame coming from that. <laughs> Just it seems very be unhealthy. Uh, you know, um, Jeffrey Tambor in Hellboy really bristled at that scene, because I don't know if you remember, but he's got a whole like cigar lighting thing. Right, it's all about matches. And, yes, exactly. Uh, Not shoe polish. <laughs> uh, Greg, do you have any non-horror specific recommendations you can give me? The one thing that I, I can recommend since the last time we recorded is I saw Across the Spider-Verse yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, look, animation, 10 out of 10, absolutely beautiful. Um, I've seen some people say that the character models for for people sometimes look a little off, but okay. it never really, it never really bristle, you know, it never really like uh, bothered me throughout it. Um, <laughs> one but one in- quick interjection about this: when I saw yeah. the first one, I swear to God, I wasn't like, is this the animation style or is this out of focus? Is the projector some of that not sometimes. good? I, I think that distracting it, it, to it, me. It, it purposefully does kind of play with like a focus thing sometimes, yeah. Um, which I think I kind of like. Um, I think it it adds a weird depth to it because it's it's kind of it's em- both emulating two D, but it's a three D animated thing. Right. And I think that's part of it. That's how they accomplished the two D ish look is that they only have certain parts of the screen in focus, 
um, which animated movies don't really mess with focus all that much. I, I would say that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah, that's my that's my guess. I don't I don't know, but I did notice it a lot in this one too. You look at the background and things would be out of focus and things like that. Um, but uh, but I really loved the animation. I thought it was beautiful. Music was fantastic. I don't know if this was just the the theater I was in, or if it's the audio mix of the movie. But my my biggest problem, aside from a couple of story things and just a few other elements, the audio mix was garbage. And there's a lot of it's Spider Man whose big thing is that he makes jokes. You know what right. I mean? Like, or they make jokes. There's a million Spider Man in this, but they make jokes over action. They during their things they have their quips, right? And any time there's an action scene going on and character and many many Spider Men are throwing out lines and jokes. So much of it was just kind of completely muted compared to the music mm. and sound effects. It's just garbled. And, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a long action scene in the beginning um, with a lot of dialogue over it, and I only made maybe 60% of it. Like, mm. I, I was just like, I, I cannot hear anything they are saying. And so I really am looking forward to watching again with subtitles because, like, it, it's like a it for me it's it's a it's absolutely necessary but who knows maybe if I, I i would go see it again probably and hopefully in a different theater the sound would be a bit better i want to see it i have so many on yeah. my list uh but i did make time for this one that i didn't tell you about last time we recorded i went to see transformers rise of the beasts oh boy and was very impressed Oh boy! <laughs> I I have always loved them. That was like one of the earliest like cartoons. It's it's Transformers, Ghostbusters, and Ninja Turtles. Which sure, yeah. I can't wait till we can talk about the Ninja Turtles movie because yeah, me too. Yes, I'm very excited and, for that. And one. going back to Spider Verse, I'm so I mean I don't care that they're ripping off Spider Verse's style in a sense. Sure, because I think it's great and it looks better and more inventive than other 3D animations. So I I, I'm all for it. This one looks each kind of thing looks like a painting rather yes. than comic book style it seems more like yeah. an actual brush stroke so i'm very well, the excited thing about that. the thing about spider-verse too which is a factor i love is like it, the playing with the different universe ideas is mm. that pretty almost every single character is animated differently okay so there are some that are more painterly there are some that are more like kind of a traditional 3d animation model some that are more comic book print you know and then I don't want to spoil it, but there's some in completely different mediums altogether. Right. Like I in Spider-Verse. Like a clip really of that inventive. where... Like the, yeah. the Doctor Strange where you're just following through all the different ones. Yeah. Um, but they, they, they get really creative with the different, like, styles of animation in the movie. So, uh, but yes, you're right. In... in uh, the the style looks more consistent for the characters in Ninja Turtles, and you're right, it looks fit. I think it looks so good. I'm very. I excited. really can't. Yeah, I'm excited for that too. Yeah. Uh, the one clip I always love is in looking at each of them is when they're talking about ooze, ooze. It sounds yeah. better, ooze. You know, they're all mm -hmm. doing something different. But tr I, I was, I am so shocked. I can give you a good rating for yeah, Transformers. Transformers. Yeah. I was like, is this a four star? Am I just biased? <laughs> like, it's actually really good. Um, it does the Transformers and human relationships perfectly. Uh, Anthony Ramos is really good in the role. I like that it's not just white people anymore. Um, right. <laughs> like, fucking Shia LaBeouf, Mark uh, Wahlberg, like, Megan Fox. I'm it's, tired. It's, 
it's not just white people within a collection of weird racial stereotypes, yeah. like, as sidekicks. But, yeah. And they mention it later on because, you know, it's globe-hopping. They go to Peru and meet a Transformer who has a Latin accent, and then Anthony uh. Randall is like, oh, like, can I, like, can I go, like, hey, Poppy, you know, can I do this? And uh, it, it, it plays very well. I did not think I would actually like Pete Davidson in anything, Wow. I was laughing at almost every single line he had in it. All right. Well, he maybe I got to see it. He does the very yeah. well. Because, uh, you know, there's a part he's like, oh, wait, you guys are like some kind of giant robots? And he's like, nah, dude, we're aliens. Like, just, <laughs> he plays it perfectly. I, I do have a friend that I play pinball with that uh, worked on that movie in mm-hmm. post-production. And um, like a couple of months ago, like maybe like a month and a half ago or something, like we were asking him in our, our group chat of like, hey, you gonna make it to this thing? And he was like, nah, he's like, I kinda have to like lock down for a little while. We're trying to really get this, like, get, you know, some projects done. He was like, if you guys want to see Rise of the Beast on time, like I, I don't think I can come <laughs> out tonight. And then someone in my thing was like, you know, take your time with that one, actually. I think we're good. <laughs> you could probably skip it to play pinball. It but looked- hey, if it paid off, it paid off. It looked great, and it's always okay. been one of the things of from the first movie. Like, I can't tell what's happening. Um, I really right. could you know, like feel that action, and, and you see it, and um, the like geography or you know the landscape. Like, you you understand where characters are, what's going on. I I was kind of high, but there was a very emotional scene, and I was like, oh I'm, no, it's not. That's not just me, right? Like, this is this is an emotional beat of the movie. <laughs> That they're they're doing very well. They're handling it perfectly. Yeah. Um, I would be interested to see. I'm sure you're gonna go. You're like okay, one and a half stars. This is bullshit. I I haven't seen any of those since Transformers Two, which I fucking hated. Um, a, a Revenge of so, the Fallen. Yes, but whenever I'm when I'm driving around LA now, there's posters for or billboards. For Rise of the Beasts everywhere, and every time yeah. I do see the giant robot gorilla, I do kind of get a little bit of like enjoyment out of that. So back to GDT, you know. that is Mr. Ron Perlman. That's um, right. Yeah, I just learned that like yesterday. I was like, oh, the shell cool. yo is the the eagle. <laughs> like it's it's crazy. But I would, I would suggest seeing Bumblebee. I I really did enjoy Bumblebee. I would say Bumblebee. I've heard is that like was good. Yeah, the second like I think this is probably the perfect Transformers movie. Bumblebee and then all Great. the rest are they're pretty bad. They're really bad. Yeah. Um all right, well let's get back to Mimic. <laughs> uh <laughs> there are so did we talk about yeah, the DNA is the same as the Judas breeds. Um yep. oh this is where they this start where going into the subway. Off. It's yeah. yeah, the little kids are searching for like the bug egg sacks because they think there's gonna be some money in it. And Love that uh, Guillermo has the balls to kill two fucking kids. Right. After making them weirdly anti-homeless. Maybe not weirdly, right. they're kids well, or whatever, but yeah. that whole scene is pretty bizarre. There's just like a little scene where they come across what they think might be a bug or something. It turns out to be a sleeping homeless person. They repeatedly call them moles and tell them to suck their dicks. Like, uh, <laughs> that's not just, like suck my long john cut. or something. I, yeah, Wait, I Really? Uh, yeah, they they like just skip that little bit of it. Was it but, was that like a demand Harvey Weinstein made? It's like we need these kids yelling at homeless people. <laughs> they have to be prejudiced. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, there are, like, that was, that's a thing that they call mole yes. people of New York. So, oh, yeah. It's I, I did, I did know that. Life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just a very bizarre moment in this movie. Um, like, I, I don't, I don't hate the fake out of it, you know, like, that's like standard horror movie thing. But then, like, yeah. to spend a good three to five minutes, not, not that long. It's maybe two <laughs> minutes max. But to, just to have all those lines of the kids yelling that out at them is is very strange. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad it's not in the director's cut. That's a good. That's a good removal. Uh, so that's where we then go back to. Wait, F. Yeah, they, Murray, get, they get massacred. No, I mean, sorry. Let's let's we can go. To, they get massacred. The kids get yes. fucking eviscerated yes. by bugs, which is absolutely insane. Uh, For I, like I ten or eleven, and that one yes, kid exactly. he's got some big chompers. So like. Right, you know they're those inner city kids. You wanna you wanna root for them, even though they're. I really thought that one swarmy. kid was gonna survive too. Like the 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 younger black kid gets killed, and I thought yeah. the other one was gonna make his escape, but no, both of them fucking murdered. Um, yeah. it's kind of it's interesting because you know when I saw I I saw Del Toro talk after that Pinocchio screening a couple months ago, and he talked about how in his movies he always wants, like when he worked at DreamWorks, they called him Mister Death because like. He always threw out for every project he worked on. What if the kid dies at the end? Or like, yeah. what if this character gets killed? <laughs> and it's because he, what he talks about, like, without the idea of death in movies, you don't have any kind of stakes. Like, you need that in order to, like, really establish a sense of stakes for your movie. I mean, if it's appropriate, I guess. Um, so, like, uh, the fact that he kills them off, it really does show, you know, that these bugs mean business. They're not fucking around. They're a real yeah. threat. So, I, I, you know, I respect it. Oh no! Totally, I'm I'm glad he does it. Uh, we get F. Murray Abraham talking about glad. the perspective of ants, and that all they think about is like, can I eat it or will it eat me? Which is kind of nice. You yeah. don't have to worry about yeah. taxes or you know investments, four hundred one ks. It's all they think about until until the solar you know fucking event makes them also think about fucking, and then mm-hmm. they realize like, hey, maybe we need a a pair of people to fuck for some reason you know uh and yeah and this is where like we were talking about mira comes to be like hey did i do something wrong and he goes well it would be hypocritical because i have two grandchildren that are alive because of you and she's like well but they were only designed to live you know six months they all died in the lab well the world is a much bigger lab i feel like he should say toots at the end of that Just make him a little misogynistic or something like that. Just a, just a, just a just tinge. A, yeah. yeah. I love him. Uh, I had a, uh, I had a screenwriting and like filmmaking professor um, when I was in college who um, was an actor and did a couple of small roles, you know, like in, in, in projects and things like that. And mm-hmm. he was doing a friend's movie and they actually managed to get F. Murray Abraham cast in their movie too. And so my professor had a scene opposite F. Murray Abraham. Wow. And, like, was very intimidated, obviously. It was just like, this guy's a legend, you know, Amadeus and all that. Um, And was very nervous. And he was like, my nerves were coming out in my performance. And in the scene, I was supposed to be angry with him. supposed to be an argument. And it's just like, you know, he could feel he was not selling it. Mm. And he could tell, based off F. Murray Abraham's reactions, that, like, He's this guy's hating me. Like he does, he thinks this is amateur hour, you know. Which I guess it was. It was like an indie film. So like, uh, he's like, after like maybe five takes where they just don't get it, and like Abraham is getting visibly like impatient. Abraham's just like, hey, come here, come here. 
and he like comes over and he whispers in his ear he's like i'm gonna go home and fuck your mother tonight like said it very <laughs> intensely pushed him away like pushed him away physically pushed him away and then the director called oh. action and he did this scene and then he got it but he was just like he was so stunned and then it was just like now act and you're angry and it's like and then he did it and it's like give him that little, like, yeah, yeah that's, that little kernel to pull from he's like that's what i it's like that's what i needed in that moment like <laughs> that's so funny um uh, so Chewie is interested in the bug people. He thinks they wear funny shoes. It's weird. Later on, he says friends, like, as Manny comes right. to rescue him. And then sees his grandfather just brutally murdered in front of him. <laughs> by these people he was just calling friends. Um, yeah. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, there's the big bug corpse that they find in the sewer system. Norman Reedus shows to Mira Servina and Remy. I do really like the Polaroid bit. Like, that's an interesting yeah. way, like, a nice puzzle pieces coming together of you just, you take them, but you have them later and you're kind of looking. She's, like, trying to put them together, but, like, you have to fold it to make it look right. Her introduction is so strange, though. It's, like, you know, that when she's, like, taking pictures of herself crying because of oh, a date yeah. that went wrong, I guess. She, yeah. Well, that's another director's cut thing i was reading a difference right. in the theatrical she says as she was coming out they uh were like pouring a sedative in her drink right and then in the director's cut it was that oh on the third date he tells me he likes to wear women's panties it's like well I, compared to like trying to drug you that's not really the worst thing is it Right, exactly. And they like call him a pervert for that. But it's like, look, if it's a harmless kink like that, who the fuck? Yeah, I mean, Guillermo, why? <laughs> what the hell, man? Um, I do like Norman Reedus. I think he's funny in this for the two seconds he's on screen. Oh, the like, um, oh, uh, he plays bass in my band. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I like that. I like that he calls it a lobster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't know because I, I watched Blade 2 for the first time a couple months ago. Um, I hadn't seen that, and Reedus is in that as well. That's right. Did not know that he was a regular collaborator with Guillermo, which means that in Death Stranding, when they come back together and they have that their emotional friendship now. in that, like, it, it's yeah. going gonna, gonna to have to replay Death Stranding, Oof. and I'm going to, like, feel even harder. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll play it for the fourth time. <laughs> there you go, man. Yeah, I never finished I spent, the director's cut. I gotta go I back to it. I spent too many. I spent too much time playing that game. God, dude, I'm so excited for the second one. I'm gonna be so sad if Guillermo's not in Death Stranding too. I don't think he is. Or uh, I don't know. Well, no, I think I read. I don't think Nicholas Winding Refn is. Okay. Well, but I'm not know, sure. He was. Sure he was a pretty minor. He was yeah. a. No, he was. Yeah. I guess he wasn't that. Anyway, anyway, this is not Death Stranding talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, That's in a so separate podcast. There's a whole thing about Dutton, like, stopping them from investigating the sewers or the tunnels. Uh, but eventually Thanos, uh, Peter, and Dutton all go in to investigate. Manny, like, finds a, a storm or a, a cellar hatch to go explore to find Chewie. We yeah. already talked about the Polaroids. But this is where Servino's alone in the train station. And we kind of get the first, like, real glimpse of the mimic bug. And it's full CGI glory, right? And it, yeah, looks terrible. Looks really awful. There are some really fun little, like, near misses earlier in the movie. Like, when she's doing, or, I, we didn't even really mention it, when she's, like, studying the Judas tapes and stuff like that. It's a very Sam oh, Raimi-esque, right. like, science montage. 
like it makes me think of Spider-Man or Darkman when they're doing yeah. like their science work and it's like a lot of like superimposed like notes of like equations like you With, know kind of like floating across the screen shots of them just like looking yes. at a, a pad or something yeah. right but like, during that whole scene there's a bug on the ceiling watching her do all this which i really liked that was a really fun little like near miss another thing where they could have like tried to integrate like they understand yeah or they view her as mother. like the mother or the queen right yeah exactly yeah. um so but there's that and then when they're investigating the locker room the first time like, I think Peter drops a flashlight, and he's, like, reaching for it, and there's a bug, like, right inches there. away from his hand. I really like those little fake-out moments. Those are fun. Um, but then when you actually see the thing, yeah, as soon as it's revealed to be full CG, all my excitement just, like, drained out of me. Yeah. I'm just like, oh. we get I Especially mean, we, since... There's a lot of practical effects, but, right. Yes, when it, and not only that, but they're done, uh, they're, done by, uh, they're done by Rob Botton, who did, like, the thing. So oh, not okay. just practical effects, but, like, expert-level, yeah. you know, craftsmanship uh, coming yeah. from Rob Botton. Like, they do look great. And then the CG just, like, totally... Yeah, I saw your Letterboxd review saying you saw Blorp in here, too, which is... Yeah. I, I laughed at that. Pretty yeah. good. Uh, <laughs> I, we haven't even talked about how the whole idea is that they mimic their predator and that they have designed, like... It looks like their hands that they just... When they cover their face... It looks like a human right. feature with eye sockets and a nose, mouth kind of thing. When you, when, when you see it out of the Polaroid, it looks kind of cool, but it doesn't really, like, trans... I'm like, I, I'm like, who would ever fall for that? Like, that's... It's at dark at night. It's just meant to yeah. be like, oh, it's this guy in a trench coat. That's kind, of a let, that's kind of a letdown of a, of a mimicry. When I saw that the yeah. plot was that bugs evolved to mimic humans, I was... I was... Throughout this whole movie... I kept waiting for Giancarlo to reveal he was a giant bug, and that's why uh, <laughs> Chewie like was not afraid special. of him. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I kept expecting a character to reveal, like, "Hey, I'm a bug man," and they're going to transform at some point. But nope. <laughs> uh, so as they're investigating the tunnels, there's a great part where Charles S. Dutton sees one of the bugs and automatically just stomps on it. That that's so good. Great. Yes, he's he's great in this. They find another like egg sack the thing on the thing? ceiling. Yeah, yes, yeah, so, no, but it's like, oh, do you ever see anything like this? And he's like, what the hell do you mean? He's like, no, of course not. He like goes off on this profanity lace rant about it. It's like, the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Just like, oh, he's he's brilliant. I really love him in Alien Three. He's yeah. like far and away one of the best parts of that movie too. Is his name Preacher in that movie? I I that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, so this is where, yeah, uh, him and Peter get separated. They fall down. Thanos is there. I love Thanos is like, I don't know how to get back. And he's like writing it on his hand. Uh, he oh, almost that's, makes that's it great. out. Yeah. He almost makes it out. And it's a really, it's actually a really good death scene. This is him. the best death. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you get all the blood coming out of the mouth when you don't see, you don't see what's happening. You just see the blood coming up. He, you know he's getting attacked, and you're hoping for one second that he's going to be okay anyway. And then, yeah, blood shoots up, and, like, blood is run, running out of his mouth, you know. He's just going to Thor steps in and decapitates him. Yeah. 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 It's kind of, it is, it does get, you know. A it takes you out of the moment, kind of. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, we, we get to see Sorvino, like, looking real rough, but still kind of pretty. Yeah. He's, like, like shit uh, covered. And you're like, oh, yeah. hey, baby, how are you? I do like the scene where she's uh, she stabs a bug to death, which I'm like, again, 
she goes into kill these bugs mode a little too quickly. I feel like mm-hmm. you they abducted her for a reason, I feel like. They didn't abduct anybody else. You know. Well, Chewie just shows up. Well, yeah, that's right, right. Um but uh I feel like there's uh there's a good moment though where she goes to that that drainage pipe and she's yelling up at people and it that's like the camera good. pulls up to show people yeah. above her not hearing anything. That's a really good moment. Um, I do like the chewy thing too, where he's got the weird clicking thing he does with the spoon, and you get, and you get the sense that's how he's communicating with the bugs, which I I like. I do like that. I wish there was any kind of purpose to it, though. Really, there's not. Well, as Manny says, like he can imitate anything, and just imagine, like you, like we're a species. We find a very small, weird-looking thing, and you just go, "Hey," and it goes, "Hey back," and you're like, "Are you lost?" And it just goes, "Are you lost?" Like it's. It's right, re- yeah. It's just repeating everything you said to yourself to a point where you're like, well, I guess it's intelligent and I should bring it with me, but it's just saying everything I'm saying back to it. Right. Uh, all, of, all of them come together. They're trapped in the train car. Dutton gets his leg cut and then all of the bugs are incensed this, by the blood. Great. This whole sequence, though, is fantastic. Getting to the train car, like crushing oh, the bug in the, in the door and then him 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 unloading into it screaming is great. It yeah. gets like cut in half of the door. It's still alive and attacks him and he shoots it more like and then his whole panic afterwards of like, you know, I I put two clips in that thing and it was still coming at me like mm-hmm. it's he got it. I I seriously can't say enough good things about him in this movie. He's he he really He's is great. like the lifeblood of it for like a good 20 minutes. Yeah. So Servino starts doing like an autopsy. We find that they have lungs now which Bugs apparently do not. Right. I, I wasn't aware of this. Uh, they say that limits their size, so that's why they're so small. And they start talking about um, they raise their metabolism, so they must have, like, faster generations. And the idea yeah. that it is only 40,000 generations from us to the apes. And that right. in three years, Which is kinda, bugs yeah, that's can, fascinating. Yeah, can just can evolve. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get the really weird scent glands trick, which was very gross. Brittany was very yeah. grossed out by that. But it's a good practical I mean, effect. Well, and then Dutton has the great line about it. Like, this can't be sanitary. He's like <laughs> yeah. rubbing it on his like open gaping wound, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so they have a plan to get the train working. I love that it's like uh, they're using Manny's lighter and they're like, here's where we are. They're pointing out, he's like, all right, if we rewire this and do this, like, we'll get out of here. Um, He's a big train guy. It's like a 1917 from Staten Island. Like, he's very, he says it's going to work. It was built built to last. last. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, great stuff. We have Manny going to change the tracks, but he finds Chewie. And as we've already said, Chewie's friends kill his grandfather. Just immediately, yeah. yeah. I was assuming there was going to be a moment where he tells them not to kill him and they were going to listen to show, like, they have some sort of greater intelligence. But no, they're just monsters, you know? Like, yeah. I think that's another one of the big detriments, is that we want it to there to be some intelligence here, and they never yeah. really give us anything that it's, shows it's, them. It's like I said, they're not characters. Like they had the the imitation thing, but they they don't ever use that aside from a few like jump scare moments earlier in the movie. You know, I right. do like the moment when the when the kids first see him, first see the bug, and it looks like a guy, 
And, but you kind of see some like exposed viscera or something. Mm-hmm. Like well, once the uh, light kind of hits it. It's holding a dog, right? Like, yes, that's, that's it. it. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, 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 right. Um, Which I like that moment a lot. GDT, he kills kids and dogs. Oh, yeah, totally. No problem. All the time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and cats in uh, Shape of Water. Um, yeah, but exactly. I like that moment. But like the but the mimicry never it never just it never feels like there's a purpose to it. It never which does. makes the title not even make that much sense. Uh, so we find out like the Judas, there's only one fertile male. They're gonna kill him. We're gonna end it all. Um, again, yeah. like I said, it's nice that Peter is smart enough to use his glasses. But okay, great. You gotta give us more like purpose, payoff, yeah. set up something, and then pay it off. Not just things happen. You know, the one fertile male thing, and then you talking about how the sequel is about the bugs trying to mate with uh, Remy. the Remy character. It's like, honestly, maybe it's just gross for the sake of being gross, but you maybe you make it so that this male bug is trying to mate with Mira Servino. Would make it better. Like, would give some motivation. Right. Exactly. And uh, I, maybe it's just too gross, but I don't know. Maybe it's like, but there's something like, uh, have you ever seen Humanoids from the Deep? Uh, no, but I, I know of it, yes. That's that's a movie with a very sort of uncomfortable, like, sexual nature to its monsters, but it does make them scary, you know? Mm. Like, I, I, it's maybe a little exploitative of, like, sexual assault and things like that, but it does <sighs> make the characters intimidating if that's what yeah. they're after. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about passion, you know. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, they find Manny's rosaries and and Chewy and Mira's like, oh, okay, great, you're coming with me. Uh, Peter finds a dumb waiter to get to the top. They put Mira and Chewy in there. They're going up to the surface. Peter's like, I'm going to end it all. Uh, Dutton dies, which again, like a really powerful scene of him being like, I'm bleeding, like, get away, get away, right. they're coming. He's doing his, he's singing because he sings when he gets nervous, yeah. That's, I forgot to mention that. Uh, they give him some characterization with that, but, yeah. and I feel like I've seen something else recently. I think it was Boogeyman. I think that's what it is, is that one of the characters sings when they're scared or nervous. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but he has a pretty great death scene of, like, him trying to battle them and they just completely overwhelm right. him very quickly he should have lived i mean like i know he's consigned to his fate or whatever but that's the kind of thing where i think that's a character that clearly they loved and like i think it becomes clear i don't know if this is only speculative on my part but i get the sense that they maybe even expanded his character because of how great dutton maybe. was because maybe. he doesn't he doesn't like take over the movie for this portion but he gets a lot of attention suddenly. It's very supporting. Right. Well, and I yeah. love how he actually does have some sort of an arc where in the beginning, like, he's chastising them for breaking a lock and, like, and he's like, well, go right. get a, you know, go get a permit or, like, a... Yeah. But he, he becomes so important to the proceedings that, yes. like, I get, I got the he's sense that maybe that... Yeah. Right. Maybe Dutton was just killing it so hard. They're like, well, we have to give him more to do, you know? Well, and like, and so Peter says when like, oh, you don't do anything without a memo, like that he's very by yeah. the book, and now it's like, well, I have to take it into my own hands and do. I'm trying to think what of I, 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 there's some movie that I either watched recently or listened to a podcast about recently where there was a character that was such a fan favorite they rewrote the movie to have the character live. 
I feel like um, I see that a lot. Um, Lost yeah, I think it's happened more than once. Thing. Oh, that's like it cool. was. It was supposed to be Jack was supposed to be Michael Keaton, and he was supposed to die oh. at the end of the pilot. And they cast Matthew Fox, and they're like, "Well, you know, he's actually pretty good. We should just keep him around." Oh, you know what? You know what it is in Jaws 3D. Um, <laughs> of course, I listened to a podcast about it recently. And they talked about how Louis Gossett Jr. his character oh, is supposed yeah. to be killed by the shark at the end. But they loved him so much, I think maybe it was a test audience screening or something, that they were like, that's the one good character you guys have. Do not kill him, please. And they, so they, re- they reshot the ending. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Mira kills one with the dumbwaiter. Peter goes to blow up the nest. He's like, um, keeps hitting or opens up the gas mains. He's trying to light Manny's lighter. It doesn't work. He seems to almost accidentally find a giant pool of water to then, you know, and it's kind of nice. He's like trying to hit a spark with a giant crowbar. Very heroic. Dives into the water. I I, I feel like the timing, the timing on that is insane. Yeah, it's real bad. You would have to, you would have to already be falling into the water to avoid the explosion because you're creating the spark too. The explosion should originate from that spark and where you (laughs) are currently. Yeah, uh, but then we get uh, the last. The king, <laughs> the male, is well. When the explosions go off, you oh, see like true. sewer lines exploding all over New York, which I thought it's was just kind of hilarious. It's very funny, like all the all the destruction that Peter causes with this. But we do get some good explosions and like cars flipping and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I, I do like that. Yeah, I always love that manhole cover just like flying up into the air. Oh yeah, and clattering down. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so. Mira is now on a train track when it's uh, Chewie, the king, and her. And the king is going after Chewie. We don't really know why. We have no real clue. Uh, but then she cuts her hands to to get it to come. And this is, I think, one of the worst parts of the movie where she's like, You come this to is me, terrible. son of a... Like, she's really bad. We see a train coming and she is able to get out in just the right amount of time. With these bugs who seem like they would have faster reflexes than a human uh, gets hit by a train and, and pulled under and dies. Um, yeah, uh, if if it had been the case where, you know, the king was trying to mate with her, which I do feel gross even pitching this as an idea. But hey, maybe that's a sign that it would work for a horror movie. Um, if the king was trying to come after her at this point, like, well, uh the also thing is, we it could, really it could, you could have it. You could have it. You could have it serenade her with "Love Me Tender." You know, that would, oh, oh, yeah. He's saving the that king. for his wife, yeah. dude. If the bug, if it was called the king, if you make them talk, give the king an Elvis accent, <laughs> little uh, sunglasses, this movie, and like uh, big sideburns. Yeah. This movie is a Stone Cold classic. Five the out pompadour. Of five, right. It's like it's it's antennas are in the shape of a pompadour. Uh, you, this writes <laughs> itself. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, we didn't even mention that like they were trying to get pregnant, and apparently did get pregnant. But Mira Savino didn't know she was pregnant. But Jeremy yeah. Northam saw the test in the toilet or in the in the garbage can, and has tr- been trying to tell her, but she doesn't know. Um, yep, might have been the reason why they didn't kill her. Could would be a reason why it would be bad to try to mate with her because she's already pregnant. Like there's just a lot of left up in the air but uh right f murray shows up and says well there's no survivors you know <laughs> human or otherwise and then we see jeremy northam 
walk up from the stairs. There's no way there's going to be a mimic too. Yeah. And they hug and says, we're having a baby. And then we see Chewie also hugging them. So now they're going to have the autistic child and their new child. Yeah. If didn't if you give her Chewie or if you give Chewie to them, you don't need her to be pregnant for the baby. Like that is they've constructed right. the family unit. And Yeah, yeah. It's Let's give some final thoughts. What do we want to rate this out of? <laughs> this was it's it's so hard because there is a lot of great direction. <laughs> There's a lot of cool yeah. practical effects. Uh, a lot of the acting could not rate great. Of, you could rate it out of funny shoes. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> well, it, did we even talk? Like, he has an encyclopedic knowledge. He's able to yeah. say w- w- how big the shoe is. He what sees, it's a, made he out sees of, a, the He brand. sees an old. He sees an old Chinese man fall off a building and splat on the sidewalk. And his, like, response is like, you know, wingtips, 19, blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. There's something wrong there. Um, Funny shoes is not bad. I was thinking, like, spoon. I don't even know what Mm. you would call those. Um, Uh, Shit buttons? Uh, No, that doesn't uh, work. How about lobsters? There you go, lobsters. Lobsters. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) In honor of Norman Reedus, we're talking lobsters. Um, Yeah. I, I think this is not great but adequately directed in times like he we know from later on we know in chronos and both devil's backbone like he has an eye for shots knows what like we need to say like the cinematic language it probably seems too many cooks in the kitchen harvey weinstein that big old fucking piece of shit without a dick like he uh, ruined something probably like there could have been better stuff here but who knows with what he did like we've talked it's poorly written the story the character construction doesn't pay off for what they need they should have had yeah. her be more motherly or be conflicted about being a mom in the sense of the responsibility you have when you give something life and they never fucking strike on this at all. Making Jeremy Northam a bad doctor. Like, brilliant, but not great at being a doctor to humans. And then having to overcome that. Like, it's it's like Indiana with the snakes. Like, you have to set something up. Give them a character flaw or detail that then you, like, keep commenting on until they've resolved some issue or they've solved something due to their character traits they like overcome it in some capacity exactly like i have to like man up is not the uh, you know best term but like you have to you know i have to grow some balls that's not great either Um, (laughs) you um, gotta have some guts yeah uh everyone except the leads are pretty good in their roles i think that's the (laughs) biggest issue is that Mira Sorvino and Jeremy Northam. You didn't like Remy. She's not in it enough. I for me not to in like it enough, but she she really she has her. one. I can't, I can't even remember what the line is, but she has one line read that is so fucking bad. Um, oh, it's when the papers are scattered over the the lab. Oh, your and, papers. And is it the most? It's just yeah. like the most disinterested, like yeah. unattentive sort of delivery. Yeah, but it. <sighs> 
potential. And it's there. There, there is a kernel here that I wish had been mined properly. Again, three years earlier and no CGI stuff could have been a lot better. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go 2.74 lobsters. And a lot of that, again, is just Guillermo's direction. I think there are some really great shots and concept designs because, I mean, that's what it it's all about. You know, we've talked about the very early uh, hospital and all those yeah. weird-looking beds, and that's it's a striking imagery. That's what he knows to do. He just, he needed a better story writer. He needed maybe a bit more of an English lesson beforehand. Maybe. I don't, I, I don't want to say that's entirely it. I, I have seen other people that, that kind of say, though, that like a lot of Del Toro's best writing is whenever he's working in Spanish. Because um, I just think he's got a better handle. I mean, he speaks English great. Like, I, when I saw him speak, obviously it was all in English and it was, you know, completely well, comprehensible. Um, this is... Th- uh... I almost said thirty five, no, almost thirty, it's, almost it's, thirty years ago. Yeah, it's like twenty six yeah. years at this point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but um, so yeah, uh, I, I I agree with a lot of what you said. There's a lot of potential here, either for some sort of deeper exploration of like this sort of Frankenstein story that's going on and how it relates to religion, because there's all these religious elements around how it yes. relates to motherhood. And this idea of, you know, your creation growing beyond its means and things like that. Uh, there's a fascinating kernel in there for something cool, uh, commenting on those themes. It's not that, though. There's a fascinating kernel, or a really fun kernel of like a, you know, a sort of B-monster movie in here. Mm-hmm. But it's not really that either, because it takes so fucking long to get to any of that. Um, it's like you were an hour in, you've introduced like nine characters, each with their own thing going on. And you have barely seen a bug at that point. It is like a good 45 minutes to an hour before the kids get killed, I You've would say. You've barely seen a big bug. We've seen plenty yes, of cockroaches. That's true. We've seen other Lots things. Of sp- but- and you see, you've seen the baby bug at that point. But, like, yeah. you know, before we get to the actual, like, villains of the story. And then that just that, the bugs are just kind of generic monsters. The mimic thing never goes anywhere. F. Murray Abraham is completely wasted. But you got Charles S. Dutton coming in and cleaning up up with this kind of supporting role he's got and whenever he's on screen near the end like it is truly just like oh you see the power of just one good performance in a movie and what it can do and uh, he adds a lot to my score without that this is just a sort of like just like boring generic shitty looking monster movie i say shitty looking not because of like the direction but just because of the cg um but you're right, there is some good direction by Del Toro, and I think that, um, like, Brillin does a good job. Oh, sorry, Thanos does a good job. Yeah. And uh, Abraham is barely in it, but it's still nice to see him. He shines, Some of the side yeah. characters I like, like the kids. It, it just, it's so flat for the most part, you know, at the end of it. Like, I didn't think I hated this movie, but I just really can't think of all that much to, like, really go i don't know to go very high on it but d- again done adds a lot i'm gonna go 2.5 lobsters yeah uh and it's the the sad thing is like we talk about how we know del toro is good we know he's good with bugs because like honestly you could almost pick chronos as a bug horror movie that's true because there's a reveal that that there's a bug involved in that and i feel like um he gets a lot of great like mileage out of like the 
sort of sometimes bug-like imagery of monsters in his other works, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like insects are things that he's really fascinated by, clearly. And so, like, it's just, a, it's really sad that you get in a movie entirely focused on them, and it doesn't come together. Uh, so Harvey Weinstein's a lot, there's a lot to blame uh, on him. But I saw a quote from Del Toro talking about the director's cut where he's like, yeah, this is much closer to my original vision, but if you don't like it, that's all on me. It's, it's still not now, good. Then right. it's entirely my fault. Yeah. Which I, I appreciate that stance. I like him taking responsibility. It's not just like a, hey, Harvey Weinstein fucked my movie up. It is like, you know, hey, maybe I just didn't hit with that one. Yeah, So maybe uh, self-reflective and knowing his own limitations and that perhaps like yeah not every piece of art you make right. is going to be phenomenal but you're still learning oh i, I, from I just i just remember his other bug thing is in uh the newest um pinocchio his new pinocchio movie like Jiminy he makes cricket. Jiminy Cri- he makes the, he makes the cricket kind of a little gross and realistic looking which i really like um uh yeah doesn't uh, at some point stuff. he talk about like wanting to fuck Jiminy, well, it's not Jiminy Cricket, it because that's I think trademarked. It's uh, it's, I think it's just a cricket. It's it's Sebastian it, yeah. H Cricket, right, right, yes. right. But he he wanted to, huh? <laughs> I I, don't I know swear I to God, I remember them this. like him talking about fucking at some point. Maybe I know I'm he wrong. thinks about monsters. I know he thinks about monsters fucking all the time because like. He says like the 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 shape of water came from him basically wanting to see the creature fuck the woman in Creature from the Black Lagoon. It's just like I want him to get her and like you know like make love to her. So that this is what happens in shape of water. Um, <laughs> I I always think about talking to actually the friends I went to see Wild at Heart with last night. You know I was talking about how much I love Shape of Water. He was like, imagine yeah. if it was a woman and a bear, and I'm just like, I <laughs> shit, you got me. You, you kind of got me there. It's wrong. It is wrong, but, you know... But it, that's that's its own subgenre that of... sometimes like, of, feel so right. Yes, that's this is its own subgenre of, like, weird rom... Like, rom-com movies of people fucking animals they shouldn't fuck that somehow work. So you got Shape of Water, and then um, there's a movie called Max My Love, or Max Me Amor. Um, it's like a French-Japanese movie where, about a woman who fucks a chimpanzee. Um, shockingly great movie. <laughs> shockingly right, good. All right. Yes. Um, put that on it's not list. a horror movie. Otherwise, otherwise, you would have covered it. Episode two of this podcast <laughs> with monster love is what we would have done. Exactly. Right? Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, well. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, Greg, we have one more week of bu- uh, June Bug. Do you want to tell us what we're going to be watching? Man, one more week of June Bug, but so many other great insect movies I would love to talk about. Um, I decided, uh, I wasn't to go for the nest, but I realized that's another cockroach movie. This is kind of a cockroach movie. I wanted, uh, I wanted it so that we talk about a different bug for each movie. And so I want to go to earlier in the 1990s. I talked about this having potential to be like a fun B monster movie. And I have not seen this movie, but I think that this is what it is basically. But I want to talk about ticks from 1992 i believe i swear i'm not doing this on purpose it's this gonna was be already on my of you never yes. seen any of these movies i like that sometimes i like just like using this podcast as a nice excuse to watch things that have been on my list forever i swear i'm not doing this on purpose ticks was already on my list to be covered a while back 
like a bug month is something I've been wanting to do for a long time. But this is one that is loved by Brantley from uh, from Horror Drafts. He's, right, he's obsessed great. with this movie. I'm excited and so to watch I, it. Uh, yes, excited to finally see it and be able to talk to him about it yeah. uh, eventually. So, yeah. Thank you all for listening. You can always reach us. We have email weeklypodcastmassacre at gmail.com. We have both Twitter and Instagram, both at Weekly Massacre. You are G Anderson 19 on Letterboxd. I am Murph and Turf. So hit us up. Let us know if you have an encyclopedic knowledge of shoes, if you sing when yeah. you're nervous, or if you've ever named something after Judas Iscariot, please let us know. Because yeah. I don't know yes. why you would choose to do that. Uh, but until next time, whatever pills your banana lady. So do you want to buy the butterflies or what? They have Jesus on the cross, but that is not a holy place. I found that line very funny for some reason. I, it just, it's like, yeah. Well, you did think it was the CDC, so. Uh, well, yeah, I was just like, this guy hates fucking Fauci. My God. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.